Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. But hey, let's open the Bible, yeah? You ready for the word? You ready? Port Kennedy, Belmont, online, everybody. Let's, let's do it. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to 26. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to them, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Amen. What an incredible passage of scripture. And I feel like today there's a couple of keys that that we want to pull out of this passage and, and together we'll believe for God to speak to us through this message today. Amen. So today I want to speak on the thought, a passionate compassion, a passionate compassion. So across all our camps online, let's, let's pray because we need the Holy Spirit today. Lord, I just thank you for, for your anointing upon me, upon this time to speak, Father God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister, you would speak today, God. Lord, I pray that every heart that's hearing my voice say would, would be a fertile soil. Lord God, that you would speak and minister, that you would refine us, you'd challenge us, you'd draw us closer to you, you'd help us love you, you more and others more. And so we commit our hearts to you, we commit this time to you, God. Come and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So looking at this text, there's, there's a real atmosphere for healing, right? It's, it's all happening. And these guys, these four stretcher carriers, they have worked super hard to get this man that was paralyzed to Jesus. And they had an expectation that Jesus would heal him, right? They lower him down. They, they get up there. They rip up the roof. They lower him down. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. That's probably not what they expected, right? Jesus forgives the man's sins first. Now that, it's not that his sins were the reason for his sickness. Let's not get a false theology here of, oh, God's upset with me and so that's why I'm sick. No, no, no. We're, we're under grace, right? We're, we are, our sin is no more. Jesus does not see our sin anymore. But Jesus is making a point about the order of priority. The paralyzed man, yes, he needed physical healing, right? But more than that, he needed the ultimate miracle of Jesus forgiving his sins. That was the greatest part of it, right? What a shame it would have been for him to have two perfectly good legs that walked him into eternal darkness. Jesus cared far more about the state of his heart than the function or the condition of his body. Jesus wanted him saved and forgiven, A transformation on the inside more than any external or circumstantial change. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed is that of salvation. 
And so the first key we need to catch is that number one, Jesus Christ's greatest passion is salvation for every person. Salvation for every person. Jesus said himself in Matthew 16, 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Nothing is worth more than our souls being in right standing with God. Amen. And so that's why before he even considered the man's physical need, he addressed his spiritual need, his need for forgiveness, for righteousness. God's greatest desire is for people to know Jesus. We were, we were created for relationship with him. But the question is, where does it sit in our hearts? How much of a, of a priority is it in our lives for people to know Jesus? Is that the biggest things on our, thing on our minds? The salvation of those around us who don't know him? Or is it other things? You know, at work this week or, or when we saw our neighbours or the conversations we had with those we love or just our day-to-day lives, how much have we carried a desire or a heart for the lost to know him? How much have we been looking for opportunities to, to share our testimony or, or to speak into someone's moment of stress and, and, and fear and bring truth and confidence? You know? how, how much have we been looking to, to step out and pray for someone's healing or, or minister to that difficult situation in, in someone's life so, so they could experience the power and love of Jesus? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, go to the highways and the byways and compel people to come in that my house shall be filled. Jesus says, you shall receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus wasn't unclear about what he wanted us to do, about what was most important to him. But how important is it to you and I? How much does it consume our thoughts? Is it our most passionate cause or are we more passionate about getting the photocopier fixed at work? You know, or are we more passionate about, you know, would the government finally just sort out the traffic issues that gets me home from work late all the time? Or, or, or when, are we more passionate about when COVID restrictions would finally ease and I don't have to wear this mask anymore that keeps fogging up my glasses and I cannot see? Shout out to all y'all with glasses. I, I feel you. I, I understand your pain. Or... Are we more passionate about saving the environment than saving lost people? Are we more passionate about our diet and what's going into my body and stuff than the fact that other people are condemned to hell? Or are we more passionate about signs and wonders and the prophetic, oh, it's so cool, right? Or or just really about knowing more and more of the Word of God than the fact that there's people that are lost. These are not bad things. But if we're to follow Jesus' example, Jesus Christ's greatest passion is salvation for every person. That he would put him on the cross for that. And therefore it should be our greatest passion, amen? God, we need you to bring us back to what matters to you. The second key I want to draw upon is, is when we look at our friends, these four stretcher carriers. What legends they are. We will never know their names, their faces. But these guys literally did whatever it took to get this man to Jesus. Now, we got to understand, this is pre the death and resurrection of Jesus. These guys didn't even know the full extent of what, God, of what Jesus was going to do for humanity. What was going to be available to us at his death and resurrection. All they knew was, man, we just need to get this guy to Jesus. We just know that Jesus can meet his need. 
I love that. A side note, you don't need to know everything to lead someone to Jesus. You just need to know that Jesus is the answer to their every need. That's all you need to know. They had a passion and a compassion to get this man to Jesus to the point where they, they carried him. Now, let's imagine he's a small man. Maybe he's a little bit frail. Maybe he's just 60 kgs, right? And um, split that between four. That's about 15 kilos each. That's, that's doable. But I, I can't imagine he lived next door to where this was happening. Like I can imagine it was a decent walk. It would have been, okay, put him down. Let's swap sides. You know, this side of my back's killing me. Let's even it out. You know, and, and then they get there and the place is completely full. No way in. But again, okay, no, we'll find a way. Let's, let's lug him up the stairs. Let's get onto the rooftop. Let's pull off some, let's get some rope, find something, and we're going to lower him in. You know, I think they knew Jesus was going to heal because I'd say there was no plan B. I don't think they had any intention of trying to pull him back up. Uh-uh, no ways. Jesus, he's your problem now. You know, amazing faith, right? If we can just get him to Jesus, he'll do a miraculous work. Do you ever wonder if you'd been in that situation, how far would you have gone if you were one of the stretcher carriers? I, I do. I wonder if I even would have carried the guy. Would I have been p- too busy with, with my own work, with my own things that I going, what got going on? Or, sorry, I need to get there quick before it fills up. I need to be in there for me. You know, or, or, or maybe I would have. Maybe I would have carried it. But I think if I'd have got to the door and seen, oh, man, there's no way. Look. Sorry, man, it's, 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 it's full. Like maybe we can try and find out what, what Jesus is doing tomorrow, where he is tomorrow. We'll try and find it. I don't know, but probably get someone else to carry him because I'm tired and I'm sore. Like, well, sorry, mate, we tried. There's just no way. Maybe we'll, we'll try and get your miracle another day. You see, these stretcher carriers, they had great faith. They really believed if he encountered Jesus, then he would be healed. And I believe a lot of you here in the room, a lot of you in other campuses on online, you have great faith. You do believe that when someone meets you, that's, that's it. That's the answer. He, he is the one that they need. But can I submit to you today that maybe faith alone wasn't enough? You see, faith says Jesus can heal, but with faith alone, perhaps they would have given up when they couldn't get in through the door. I believe they were also driven by a passionate compassion for this man to experience Jesus. You see, faith believes for the divine work of God, but a passionate Compassion drives faith to believe for the divine work of God in others, no matter what gets in the way. Let me say that again. Faith believes for the divine work of God, but a passionate compassion drives faith to believe for the divine work of God in others, no matter what gets in the way. And so my second key that I see is a passionate compassion will lead to salvations. It's that passionate compassion is what will lead people to be saved, transform, encounter Jesus. You know, these guys, like I said, these guys didn't even know the full extent of what Jesus was going to do for humanity. They just knew they had to do whatever they could to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. How much more so should we carry this conviction when we know fully the complete work of Christ for us? And he's saved our souls. He's given us life and life abundantly. He set us free. He's given us a hope and a future. He's our everything. And so when it comes to reaching the lost, to sharing Jesus with those who don't know him, our issue is not that we don't know how to do it. We don't know what to say. It's that we're not carrying a passionate compassion for those who don't know him. You see, if it was the fact that I didn't know how to do it, well, actually, the reality is that's a really lousy excuse. I don't know how to play guitar, but if I got a guitar and watched some YouTube videos, I think after a few I'd be playing a tune. 
I don't really know how to fix my car, but if I went and did a basic mechanics course, I'd start to figure it out. You know, you ever watched a kid that, that, that loves sports and they, they run into a basketball court? They have no idea how to play, but they're just they're hustling and they're going for it, right? It's not about skill. It's actually never been about skill. Evangelism, reaching people, is not about how good you can talk or, or how many books you've read on evangelism. I just read an incredible book about how to talk to people about Jesus without being that guy. And it was an amazing book. Have I done anything with it? Mm, maybe not so much. It's not about skill. It's about being deeply moved by the fact that people we know are in darkness. They're separated from this abundant life found in Christ. And so I need to be willing to do whatever it takes to see them come home. We aren't short on opportunities. We aren't short on resource. We aren't short on know-how. Man, we're in the Western church. You guys, we're inundated with resource, with how-tos, with books, with podcasts, with sermons. We're short on a passionate compassion for those who don't know God. Sure on having a heart for the lost that is willing to put aside what's convenient for us, what people might think, not knowing what to say or what to do, but just says, man, I carry a burden for the reality that you don't know Jesus, the answer for your soul, that I'm going to do whatever it takes to point you to him, to, to help you experience his love. And so here's three points to identify how much passionate compassion we have for those far from God. The first one is passionate Compassion compels. Passionate compassion compels. You see, we're great at pity. Right? Oh, that's so sad. That's what pity says. Pity says, oh, that's a shame. And it ends there. But compassion compels. Compassion drives a response. You see, pity says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that's what's going on in your life. I'm so sorry that you lost your job or your health is not good. Or, ah, it's so sad what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, you know. Compassion is not just sympathy, but it's a desire to see and make positive change happen. Compassion says, I don't care if this room is full and it seems like there's no way in. This man needs Jesus, so we're going to climb him. We're going to lug him upstairs. We're going to rip up the roof. We're going to lower him to Jesus. Amen. When I was in year 11, God had just set me on fire for Jesus. We just, I had a heart for the loss. I believe my school could be saved and a group of us. In year 11, we decided that every Wednesday morning, we were going to get to school early and we were going to pray for an hour in our school for our school to be saved. Now, you know, that's, that's a passionate compassion right there because who's got teenagers here getting them up early, let alone to be at school an hour early. That is a miracle in and of itself. Amen. And so we, we, but we just had this heart with God. We just, we just want to see people saved. We don't know what we're doing. So we started praying. We started some lunchtime groups. We did some different things. And it came to this one assembly in my school where we ran a youth service. We put together a band. You know, I risked my reputation. I did some drama and a, a bit of a dance thing. And, and at the end, we did this salvation call. We presented the gospel. And we saw on that morning alone, over 80% of my school respond. We saw over 500 people walk down and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. We didn't know what we were doing. We just said, God, we want to see you do something in these people's lives. They need you, Jesus. And that's it. A passionate compassion says, I need to do something about this. A passionate compassion says, it puts you on your knees in prayer. It causes you to find a way. It causes you to push through what's uncomfortable. It drives your faith to believe for the divine work of God and others, and it becomes a vehicle for the divine work of God. 
He's just looking for people that have a heart that say, God, would you use me? Would you, could I do something to help these people know Jesus? Passionate compassion compels. But not only does it compel, but when we look at what these stretcher carriers were prepared to overcome to get this man to Jesus, we can say that point number two, passionate compassion overcomes inconvenience. Overcomes inconvenience. The room was full. Jesus was in the middle of, of ministering, you know, oh, we don't want to go in there. He's, he's, the, he's the, the big dog, you know, he's preaching. We don't want to interrupt that. And the religious leaders are in there. They're going to oh, snarl at us. And let's just, you know, the room was full. The guy was heavy, right? It didn't matter. They were going to get him to Jesus. No matter, nothing was going to get in their way. How often, I was thinking about this, how often does it seem like a window of opportunity comes, maybe to share with someone or a love on them in a certain way? And it always comes when it's inconvenient, when it's not a good time. You know, when we really should stop and chat, but I gotta be somewhere, you know, or or when you know you should step out and pray for that person, but it's it's a bit awkward, it's a little public place, or like you're in the lunchroom and, and Janine from accounts is sitting there who's not into it at all, but this person's opening their heart and you're like, Yeah, you know. <laughs> or or when you're prompted to do something to bless your neighbor who you've just come home and they're actually out the front, the opportunity's right there, but you're tired and you've had a big day and you just need to put your feet up. When we carry a passion for the salvation of every person and we're led by this passionate compassion for people, what actually could be an inconvenience becomes an opportunity. You see, for example, when that colleague wants to just offload what's going on at home and how it's so tough and, and you know it's going to cost you a half hour to hour before you can get back to that project that needs to be done, instead of you being like, oh my goodness, here we go again. What could be an inconvenience actually becomes an opportunity. And you start to say, okay, Holy Spirit, they're coming to me. I, I need you. Give me wisdom. What do I say? Help me to bring hope and peace into this situation. What do you want to do in this moment? God, I'm really open. I see the opportunity. C.S. Lewis says, Surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. When things are inconvenient, does a passionate compassion for the lost take priority what's really in our hearts right you know just being in Cambodia I caught up with a young adult his name's Piriak and um, his family doesn't know Jesus and and he said to me oh can you can you pray for my mom and I said yeah sure what's going on he said well you see she got she got really sick and the doctors couldn't find what was going on she's getting all these tests done and so I went and I saw her in the province she's a Buddhist strong Buddhist does not not interested in Christianity. And he went and he saw her and he said, you know, the doctors don't know what's wrong because it's not a normal sickness, mum, but you've got a demon and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to cast it out in the name of Jesus. And so he began to pray for her and he said, in the name of Jesus, I, I cast this thing out. And tell you what, she was completely healed. Praise God, right? Completely healed. And he said to her, he said, now anytime you start to feel sick again, mum, you say, Jesus, help me right now. And then he said to her, he said, okay, do you want to come to church with me? And she said, no, I don't, want to, I don't want to dishonor my ancestors. I need to be faithful to, to our traditions. And, and, and so she's not there yet. And, and it would have been great if the story was, yeah, and then she gave her heart to Jesus. But the reality was I love the fact that he was willing to overcome the inconvenience of, of stepping on toes, of making relationship with his mom awkward, of offending her, of it just of nothing happening. And, oh gosh, that was my chance to show her Jesus real, but she's still sick. He was willing to overcome any of those inconveniences to say, man, my mom needs Jesus. And this is an opportunity for me to show her that he is the authority, that he loves her. And so he stepped out. And so I said, yeah, absolutely, man, I can pray for your mom. And I honored him for taking that step. And I was like, gosh, 
What am I doing? Incredible, right? A passionate compassion overcomes inconvenience. Doesn't matter what's in the way. These people need Jesus. And thirdly, a passionate compassion changes what we see. To the stretcher carriers, this man wasn't just that guy that couldn't walk. You know, he was a man who needed help, who could have a better life, who if he encountered Jesus, who would never be the same again. They saw that potential. How do we see those around us that don't know Jesus? That person at work that just catastrophizes everything over the top, always spreading fear about COVID and whatever. Do we find them just over the top and frustrating or... Or do we see someone that's gripped by fear? You know, do we, do, do we need, they just need to know the hope and the love of Jesus that we can share with them. We can set them free in that space. Or that person that makes the dirty jokes and, and is a bit loose. Do we just cast them as, oh, they're so worldly, a bit heathens, you know? Or, or do we actually see that they're searching? They're trying to fill the void in their hearts. They're needing Jesus just like we need Jesus. So I want to come alongside them and, and, help, and be a part of that, you know? That family fretting about their recent diagnosis, is it it an, oh, that's so sad, I'm sorry to hear that. Or do we see the pain that they must be feeling and we're covering them in prayer and saying, God, how how can I actively work to show your love in this space? Do you see that sibling that you say, oh my goodness, they're so annoying, they have so many issues, just sort yourself out. Or do you see that, man, she's actually struggling and she needs you to show her who Jesus is, who Jesus wants to be in her life. See, the people that we see every day, do they just look like people we see every day? What they enjoy doing, their flaws, quirks, or whatever. And then we, do we forget the greatest priority? That is their right standing with God. You know, I remember this, this guy in school, his name was Blake, and, and he gave me a hard time. And I, I couldn't stand the guy. I was like, oh, would you take him out, you know? Um, <laughs> look, I was young. Don't judge me, all right? And, uh, came out, and I just remember God challenging me to say, hey, I want you to pray for him. And as I began to pray, God just began to break my heart for him and show me that he treated me like that, not because he was just a bad person, but because he was hurting, because he had stuff going on at home. And so God just, now I stopped, I stopped thinking that he was a jerk and I had this compassion for him. And so I started to ask him how he was doing. I didn't take it personally when he, when he treated me not well. I was like, okay, the guy is hurting. I got to love him more. You know, I encouraged him and God began to soften his heart. You see, when our hearts are stirred with a passionate compassion for people, we don't see them with familiarity or frustration or judgment, but we see them as God sees them, as so needing Jesus just like we do. A passionate compassion changes what we see. It overcomes inconvenience and it compels us to do something. Now, if you're anything like me and you're hearing these points and feeling like, oh man, I've, I've got work to do. <laughs> it's okay, all is not lost. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 31 to 34. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Oh, I always need time for eat to eat. <laughs> so they left my boat. For a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. 
And what follows on from that is it leads to the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 men and women and children and with five loaves and two fish. And we take a quick look at what's happening here. We see Jesus and the apostles, they're exhausted, they're hungry, they've all been ministering. But when they get there and the crowds are waiting, his passionate compassion stirs him to minister. He sees every person. He says, man, these are like sheep without a shepherd. And so he teaches them. He shares them the truth. He feeds them and he ministers them. Why? Because he had compassion on them. Jesus was compelled by a passionate compassion for the crowd. It wasn't convenient. He was tired and hungry. But he saw them and was moved by compassion. He saw they were lost and needed the good shepherd. And so as we approach Easter, I'm so encouraged by this passage because you and I, we were a part of that crowd. We were that crowd. Jesus was compelled by a passionate compassion for us to take on all of our sins. Jesus was willing to overcome the greatest inconvenience of being hung on a cross, put to death for our sake. Because Jesus saw who we were truly created to be. Sons and daughters walking in freedom, walking in that life that He has for us, that relationship with Him, the full inheritance of what He's purchased for us. Worship teams, you can come join me. Every day then, we need to be at his feet saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for being everything that I need. And that's what's going to help us because you see 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because God first loved us. Compassion is rooted in love. We're walking in the, when we're walking in the revelation of his great love for us, Man, we're stirred to love others. A passionate compassion stirs in us for the people that don't yet know Him, that don't understand what it means to know His presence, His love, to be found in Him, to be set free. And so we get this revelation by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.